0: Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome. It's the Wine Hour, a show made for wine lovers by wine lovers. It's fantastic to be back for one hour of entertainment, discussion and discovery in the world of wine. A warm welcome to all of you, uh, regulars and newcomers. So here's today's menu. First, we're going to start with Uncorked, which is Debate on the News and Trends of the World of Wine. Then it's License to Taste. Uh, where you will learn in a friendly way about uh, wine. You can ask any of your wine questions, all the things that you always wanted to know and were afraid to ask. Tanisha will be able to answer them. And finally, in Have a Drink With Me, uh, we welcome our special guest for a very relaxed conversation. Now, before we start, uh, let me introduce you to the fantastic cast of today's show. Coming from La Rioja in Spain, it's a great honor, privilege, and pleasure to welcome our special guests, Elena Adel and Elena Suarez. Good evening, Elena and Elena. What are you drinking? Buenas tardes, Elena y Elena. ¿Qué están (laughs) bebiendo? Okay, so she's starting with a white wine from Campo Viejo and at the beginning of the summer because it's refreshing, it's appropriate. Elena Suárez.
1: And in my case, I have here a Campo Viejo Gran Reserva blend a a traditional modernity and it's very nice also for this hour after work. It's very, very nice. Okay.
0: (laughs) Excellent, and now two weeks feel like such a long time without them. Yes, they are back—the one and only Wine Dream team in full force tonight, and we are starting from—we are starting from Paris. She just came back from Italy. Her wine glob trotting expert Tanisha Townsend. Good evening, Tanisha. Good evening. <laughs> How are you?
2: I'm good, thank you.
0: Why are you drinking?
2: I'm not drinking. I was at a champagne tasting earlier.
0: Ooh.
2: Drinking water.
0: And how was it?
2: It was nice. It was on a boat.
0: Oh, even better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Nice, nice. We'll catch up a bit later.
2: All
3: right.
0: Now, now from London, our wine lover who is in a romantic mood these days. So I just wanted to prolong that mood that you had, Akosh Forzeck. Good evening, Akos. What are you drinking?
4: Good evening, everyone. I am drinking uh, this guy, Meur Vievin, 2018, from Laurent Bousset. My wife likes white burgundy, so... Okay. Go. Good. And next
0: okay so he's not in maine anymore he's back in new york <laughs> it's a pleasure to welcome back to the wine hour our honorary member of the wine dream team mr ray isle Good to be back, Good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> well i thought about you i thought Maine. you know feeling that
5: I, I, I moved i came back somewhat earlier than i expected but I'm, I'm going back up there it's too nice not to go back up okay excellent And then from St. Helena, our rebel
0: with a cause, the one and only Jamie O'Rajo. (laughs) Good afternoon, Jamie. I'm so jealous you're going to see uh, Billy Idol in concert.
6: I know. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, X number of years after I saw him when I was like 15. So very exciting, going in August. And uh, it is, again, noon here. So yes. Ah, I'm good. Water. water
0: is fine. Everyone is ready. Just grab a glass of wine or anything, water, tea, coffee, anything is just fine. And I just want to cheer with everyone for this beautiful evening that we have amongst friends. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> now, relax and enjoy the show. So we start with uncorked um all about commenting debating trends and news of the wine world today topic the topic is wine fairs and more specifically is there a future in wine fairs now before we start i just want to run a very quick poll uh so that you can answer these and we look at the answer at the end of the segment um a future for wine fair who would like to start okay don't rush (laughs)
6: <laughs> well, I was the one who, okay. this, so I figure I should should start. No, it's, it's a really interesting question because I think pre-pandemic, there was a lot of questioning um, about the relevance of wine fairs, about the cost of wine fairs, about how we, you know, were, what we were getting out of it or not. And then the pandemic hit and all the wine fairs got canceled. And now you have a situation where everybody really wants to get together again, but is the wine fair... You know, I, I think we're, we're, everything got laid on the ground and now we're looking at, is this actually a good format for us? Does it give us what we want? And is it something we're, we're interested in continuing to do from the producer's point of view? I mean, it was always really wonderful to see a lot of people all at once. And in the, in the heyday, um, you know, when you were a small producer and you could go to say the Linda White Trade Fair or Provine and see 20, 30 of your distributors or retailers, um, it was really worthwhile. And then it wasn't really as efficient later on, but there was also a social aspect. And I I wonder about that. Anyway.
4: I've been going to wine fairs since
5: 1992.
4: And uh, I remember um, when I came to London, first time to the London wine fair, it was huge it was enormous and then before the pandemic you could put everyone in my living room I'm exaggerating but basic shrunk. okay you have a big and, living room uh, and uh, well not that big oh, okay. but the point is that you know you went from hundreds and hundreds of exhibitors to 30 40 exhibitors and um and they moved it out of the center of london as well and um if i look at the the wine fest from a perspective of someone who buys wine i've done it as an exhibitor when i work for lvmh and i've done it from uh, my perspective as uh, someone who goes there and meets people um i think that it's, um, it's, it's one of those things that wine fairs will become uh, those, there will be those that will survive and those that will not survive. And uh, those that were the most efficient ones that you could go to, surprise, surprise, organized by the Germans. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, and wine, you know, when you go to um, ProVine, it has basically completely taken over the importance of, uh, of Vinexpo, which Vinexpo, for example, for me, was the biggest wine fair that I've always attended. But as we all oh. know, it's one kilometer long, right? And you can't really work there. That's my view. My problem is you need to go somewhere you can actually work, and Jamie, 100% correct, you need to take something out of it. In, for us, it's meeting efficiently people, 20, 30 minutes, tasting new wines, move on to the next one. You, is the same thing. You want to meet your distributors, right? and yeah. not many of them were providing that before the pandemic are they going to change that's my question
5: well yeah. but this is though, I,
6: I think as london got smaller provine got bigger right yeah,
5: absolutely for sure. and 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 Ex- took over from vinexpo too as the as the center um but it is it is i mean it's totally true that vinexpo and and vin italy for instance are so vast that i mean I'm, i don't work in the in the in the trade in the same way but i i don't uh, understand how anybody can t- can sort of manage being in them on, in some sense um you know though uh, as a journalist what i find useful are the are the you know much smaller events that are that are individual importer tastings and things like that which which are useful in that context um you know where you can taste through a portfolio of an importer um i, I do think it's interesting that you know, this, this, advent of zoom tastings and, and the ability to connect with people in a kind of quasi personal way um, across continents, like, like we're doing at the moment um, does, I, I don't think will go away and does kind of obviate the need for some of the wine fair stuff. Uh, just from food and wine's point of view on a, on a consumer level, you know, we, we canceled our food and wine classic in Aspen last year, which is our, our big event of the year. Um, and as big as, you know, 5,000 people. And we've, we decided to do it this year in September, um, about a half size because we didn't know what the situation was going to be, um, and we sold out 2,500 tickets in in under 36 hours. It it, it went like that, and we've had a tremendous demand from producers as well for tables and for representation there. So there's a hunger, certainly coming out of the pandemic, at to, to go be places and do things whether that's both i mean b2b or or b2c i think it's an interesting question but that, well, that relation it's,
0: it's... sorry but that that relation that you have with with the other uh, with the distributor or the person in trade or the consumer uh there's so much you can do through through virtual but at the end of the day isn't that the whole point of fairs to to engage to see to 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 feel to taste to
6: yeah i mean i i think um we were all sort of saying the same thing is that there is, there is value to the in-person but it may just look very different. And I, and I think from my point of view, one of the biggest issues with wine fairs was this whole idea of um, critical size. So if you're too small, like London became too small, it wasn't worth people's time. If you're too big, you just get unwieldy and it's not worth someone like Ray's time mm-hmm. and, and not probably worth my time because I won't be able to get the attention, enough attention from the people I want. So where is that magical size where it's big enough um, but not too big? And, and I think the other thing to remember is that we always kind of lump in vin, Italy, vin Expo, and Provine, but VinItaly and, and vin Expo are really country-based as far as producers yeah. are concerned right um so Expo is really about french producers and van is really about italian producers whereas provine had wines from all over the world right um, Expo
5: used to be more international feeling in that I mean, there was the famous year that the australians were like why did you put us in the hot tent you know the you hot uh, all the
6: camp. wines pop <laughs> yeah, <that's
5: not> <laughs> the french people are in the air conditioning what what's the is going on hey mate what's going on here <laughs> yeah
6: the famous but, hall three or whatever it was. But, but yeah. is, it,
0: is it in, in terms of, of an exhibitor or a visitor? Because there, there's two sides of the coin. There's the guy who comes and wants to discover the other ones and potentially having more people is more interesting to visit. And then there's exhibitor. If there's too many people, they're going to be drawn out out of the thousands of other exhibitors.
6: Well, and then there's a there's another thing, which is, um, you know, going, do you um, say, okay, we're going to stay Europe-centric, Um, and make everybody come to us or you know like Vin Expo did try and do um, to go to Hong Kong to go to New York um, to do events where the retailers and and distributors were Um, and we're talking professional trade fairs for the most part there is also the consumer fair which is a very different yeah, which is
5: what we do. Yeah. But, the, but the problem, I mean, and, and there's the reason there's no cognate to Vin Expo or Provine in, in the U.S. is because of our ridiculous state-by-state laws. That's what, I mean, Vin Expo New York was pointless because they were trying to do a national wine event in a place that has 50 different state laws about shipping. And oh. and so retailers from other states didn't come. Um, so it became a, a kind of an odd New York-centric Vin Expo wine fair um, that um, I, I never seemed to work for me. So, um,
6: well in Hong Kong, um, Vin Expo went directly up against the Hong Kong wine fair.
5: Um,
6: right. and instead of saying, wow, we're doing the same thing, we could actually join forces and create this hub for Asia. Um, they decided to say, no, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. And they both <laughs> went away the, the dodo. So, it up bad.
0: Uh, Akos, as a a distributor, are are the the format of the wine fairs the way they are currently? Are they good, or there's something that needs to be changed in your mind?
4: So there are uh, internationally for me there were there's three types of wine fairs that I'm going to highlight. Um, one was the Wholesaler Convention in the United States, which has, has been in, traveling around, and uh, it's very American-specific, but they knew how to organize it in a way that if you worked your field in advance, you could make it very efficient for yourself, and you could go around. But it was also extremely elitist from a certain point of view, because people had to spend a lot of money, uh, on the suites in the hotels, and uh, in order to get into those suites, to get into those meetings was very, very difficult. Um, and uh, secondly, in the UK, uh, we had fairs here where you would have uh, until six o'clock or five o'clock, you will have professionals only, and they would open up for the public, a general public that would come in at the end of it and, uh, and, and taste the wines and, and, and try the wines. Initially, I thought it was a good idea, but after seven o'clock, when everybody is absolutely sloshed and they are <laughs> the only reason why they come in is to get drunk, it was not. It was really not not the right way of uh, of doing it. So this still exists, and I would say that you know these two type of of, uh, of events, I don't think they have a future. In my opinion, the third one that has a future is the one that has been the most successful. is the is, is the Provine format for me because That satisfies Ray. It satisfies Jamie in terms of a producer because you go there and you can find small producers who are standing on their stands and they're interesting small producers don't have the money. They can only spend like 500 euros or something on a stand. And we pick up many interesting producers while walking around. And at the same time, we meet our own producers. So we get to have a double whammy in a way that we meet our producers we reconnect with them we try the new vintages we, they, it saves them money to save, send samples to us and then at the same time we, we we make deals we make you know we place orders with them and and, and then we discover other people as well who go who who, who are there and who are interesting for us uh, maybe we we sign up new producers and it happened to us several times so for me this format is a lot more interesting because for me at least it's worth the money. It's already so expensive to go there anyway. That you know,
5: that's and, what I think. And I think if you're if you're a U.S. importer something and, and scouting for for new producers, um, that things like Pro actually are indispensable because there's there are truly so many wineries that don't have representation in the U.S. Despite the fact that you you know every winery you've heard of has representation, but there's just so many more that are looking for for representation, and so everybody I know who goes over to try and find new producers walks away finding someone they think is terrific who doesn't have you know sales in the U.S. yet. I will say that what you said goes is there's nothing worse than being, and this is when when I was a supplier rep way back. Um, there's nothing worse than being the port person at a huge trade tasting because nobody comes to your table. If you're saying Port and Madeira, nobody comes to your table until the end of the tasting and they're all wasted. And that's <laughs> that's truly a miserable situation.
6: <laughs> well, I would say that as far as, you know, from the point of view of a small producer, yes, a thing like Provine can be very helpful and very useful. Um, but personally, I've always seen the best results um, when the small producers kind of glob together, whether it's under like the Napa Valley Vintners or um, under a, a specific uh, distributor or something like that, um, I, there's nothing sadder than all these little tiny, you know, you've seen these people, these producers who bought their little trade space. Um, they have no money. So they've literally bought the space and that's it. And so they've got like the, the black and white lettering on the head. Um, there's no POS, they have one sad little bottle and they're just sitting there on their phone like this, um, <laughs> waiting for the day to end. And it's, you know, it's 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 just really silly. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and, and, you know, it's like they're hoping that someone will come and say, <gasps> oh, but Miss Jones, you're beautiful. Let me taste your wine. It's like, well, it just doesn't <laughs> happen that way. Hmm. So I think um, there is sort of for small of us, a group, small producers like us, I do think there is a real um, benefit to having um, collaborative spaces.
4: But I think the human element, the physical presence, I think that what makes a big difference. You know, it's just to try to do this on Zoom, it's impossible, you just can't. But can you have a mix of both? I think you, maybe you can. That some people, but how? You know what I mean? It's a. I think that when it comes to wine and you want to really be efficient, you have to be in a space where there's a lot of people who are present representing their products, and you it, it makes you know, worthwhile to travel from Japan to wherever you have to travel, and uh, or or from America or from from the UK, and uh, otherwise you're not going because the cost benefit analysis is very quickly done, huh? Yeah,
6: I mean it's 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 wow. an extraordinary expense for, it's very, for whether it's yeah. a small distributor or or journalist or you know um, publication or or producer. It's you know it's it's not just the stand; it's everything that goes into it. It's yeah. it's um, and of course all the prices of hotels shoot up during the fair, so all the hotels are crazy expensive. There is one thing that I think we also we don't talk about it. Um, as much, but I do believe it is a real benefit is that there is a sense of community in our industry. There's a sense of personal relationships and the number of um, special relationships that you develop when you're all in that space and everybody's tired and everybody's working hard and your feet hurt, but you go and have a drink at the bar and you see such and such, or you go and have a meal um, and share those more intimate personal moments with people. I think it's um, something that you just can't do over Zoom, right? You can get all the presentations done. You can get all the negotiations done, but you can't get the beer at the stand after the show.
0: Okay. So let me share the results of the poll very quickly. Um, there's, in, I know that in the audience, they are part, part uh, individuals and part people from the trade. Um, first question, are wine fairs important events for you? It's about 70%. What purpose do wine fairs serve for you? Uh, the first is drinking many wines in the same location. I didn't mention the amount of wine, but I guess it's to try them. <laughs> uh, and then meeting people from the industry. And then the then you have next, uh, discovering new regions in wines and watching trends in wine. Um, so what's the future in, in a couple of words before we go to your uh, thumbs up and thumbs down? Jamie.
6: Um, I I think it will happen, I don't think, I, I think the size is going to be much reduced. And I think unless we can actually make it more ap- approachable for everyone, um, I don't think that people are going to come back in droves to, to many, many fairs. I think there's space for maybe one or two, but I don't think we're going to have the, the plethora that we had before.
5: Okay. Ray, what do you think? I mean, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, Provine will probably come back when they decide to have it again and it'll dominate. Even as it was doing before the pandemic, it was kind of pulling the center of attention from other fairs. Um, I, you know, until the U S changes its laws, I don't see equivalent fairs happening here. Um, And uh, I think, you know, barring another pandemic, it will come back to large events, at least based on our, Kind of consumer event interest um, I you know our plan is in June next year to bring the Aspen event up to full strength so I think that will s- knock on everything stop being a deterrent to people
6: and okay. sorry I just would add that um, I think it's really interesting what they've just done with Vin Italy um, in terms of making it more of a, um, a fun, Thing. So they really concentrated on the opera wine the, it's the tasting, right. but it's also they're including opera and food. And and so um, for a, a retailer or press or whoever, it's not just about, you know, coming and working. It's about coming and enjoying yourself as well and enjoying Italian culture while you're tasting all the wines. And I think it's a really savvy way to get back into it.
5: Oh, so nice. different from Germany.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, when you listen to when you listen to uh, Italian operas and German operas, you will see the difference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Akos. <laughs> yes.
4: Well, German opera, you know, yeah. sometimes like five hours. If you have sixteen
0: and hours, uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> character sings for thirty-five minutes. she dies anyway so the the point is for me is that i have been invited to many uh on virtual exhibitions uh and i have attended zero none of them i find them sterile i don't find them interesting and it just takes time out of my day where i have much better things to do whereas when i go to a fair that is planned it's there i feel that i accomplished something and i'm not losing out on doing something else so i think uh that um there will be for small communities, uh, the Zoom tasting will continue. We have demands for it. uh, We'll continue 10, 15 people. I just can't physically see how that can be done with two and a half thousand people. You have to be there and you have to be physically try the wines, drink the wine, talk to the people who are there. And as Jamie said, it's the atmosphere, guys. It's to get, you know, you got to be tipsy, you get happy and, you know, you drink wine, you're, you share something and you build relationships. Relationships are built that way, not over Zoom and, you know, just touching the screen kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Finally, th- thumbs up, thumbs down. Jamie, you go first because I know you have to dash. Yes. W- what uh,
6: are yours? Thumbs down. My freaking dog got injured again. Oh. After Sorry, drinking I'm the bottle? A very personal one. But <laughs> it's okay. Ridiculous ridiculous. Um, And also um, thoughts and prayers and all kinds of um, love going out to all of our indigenous friends um, with the announcement that came out this morning of a second um, barrel uh, site in one of the native schools. It's just kind of horrific and awful and um, thinking about them this week. um, Thumbs up is that the heat wave has stopped here and it is glorious and you all have to come and visit because it is literally the best place in the whole entire world. It's totally beautiful. And, um, we're just loving it. So nice. Yay.
0: Nice. Thanks, Jamie
5: Ray thumbs up, thumbs down. A thumbs thumbs up to uh trampling again. Um, I was, uh, i was i was in sonoma napa a couple of weeks ago i was in then i was in napa again um just recently at 103 degrees it was hot as hell um and then uh straight from there to maine um and it's great and thumbs down traveling again which is like, <laughs> I feel like suddenly racing around exhausted and packing the wrong things and so on but I, I think on the on the on the balance the thumbs are up for it
0: um, okay so. nice akosh your thumbs up thumbs down for the week
5: well, we
4: celebrated our 24th wedding anniversary, so yeah. we did that part Monday. So that was great. We had a romantic uh, night away with my wife in in London. So we did the first ever stay in. London, not traveling where, because we can't, obviously, because we have persona non grata in Europe, or anywhere else for that matter. Um, and, um, you know, Jamie left, but uh, the other thumbs up is that finally the Bordeaux-Enfremura campaign is coming to the end, which was a very painful six weeks. And today, it's, it's ending tomorrow. And uh, finally, I managed to put together my Trois Noirs, uh you know, order that for the UK, which we're going to hopefully launch in, in September. And... Um, Thumbs down, well, other than the fact that we are still unfortunately not the uh, you know and completely free to do what we want. Um and um you know I, I I say that for me the biggest uh thumbs down is read the New York Times and uh have a look what the New York Times has written today about Hungary, where I'm from. That's okay. the biggest thumbs down ever.
0: I only you know, read I- Eric Asimov's column, so I can't say <laughs>
4: Well, you should read it. It's, <laughs> okay. about, it's about the discrimination last time we have seen in the 1930s in Hungary. Okay.
0: We'll have a read about what Orban is doing. Anyway, thank you, Jamie, Ray, Akos. See you in two weeks. In two thank weeks. weeks. Absolutely. Now we're, now we're on. bye Thanks. And now we're on to License to Taste with Tanisha Townsend. So good to see you back in our virtual studio. How was Italy?
2: It's good to be seen. Italy was good. It was really good. It was nice to travel again. Nice to be out. Um, yeah, and I agree with Ray. Like, I didn't know what to pack because I'm like, is it hot? Is it cold? I still need to be professional. I'll be close to people. What do I wear now? Does it fit? That was a problem because COVID wait. But, you know, but you made a-
0: you overcame that.
2: Yeah, we got elastic, so we overcame it.
0: Okay, excellent. And so oh, Italy, yeah. tell me, just we're just waiting. And what did you drink? We're what everything. did you eat? What did you see?
2: So I ate everything. Okay, um, a lot of seafood um and fresh. Uh, pardon me for being from Chicago and just usually eating fish, so not used to shellfish and things coming in the shell. So it's actually a lot more work than I'm used to doing with everything being in the shell. Yeah. So. Even like, uh, I got a scampi pasta dish. Okay. and the pasta perfectly al dente, the yes. sauce dishes. There was these big shrimp in there, completely in the shell. I mean, arms, head, legs, everything. And it was just a lot of work. So by the time I got to the end of it, I said, this is too much work for this little bit of meat. I'm just, I'm exhausted.
0: But you so know, I, it's, it's fresh.
2: I know. I just ate the pasta around it. I, OK. So focaccia, that was delicious. <laughs> OK. I enjoyed that. Um, not as many. There was desserts. no
0: shell to remove on the focaccia, I guess.
2: No. OK. No, no. Good. Uh, okay. Not
0: start.
2: as many desserts as I would have liked. I am. Uh, I definitely have a sweet tooth. I should probably say sweet teeth. It's definitely more than one. OK. So not as many desserts. Uh, as far as the wine. Yes. Bunch of Tasted before. Um, I mentioned Bombino Nero before. I tasted that. And how was it? It was good. I liked it. And then I even had a couple of um, Rosados made from that.
0: And how would you compare Bombino Nero to something else that you know?
2: No, nothing.
0: Nothing. Okay. So it's very special.
2: So maybe Pinot Noir, but with more structure, more roughness. Okay. Not as light. Um, definitely thicker skin because the um, the rosé that we had from it, or rosado, uh, it is darker in color. So think of a dark color like from Tavel. So it was dark like that, almost like a light red. Okay. It wasn't that pale Provence style pink.
0: So basically it was something completely unknown, which is nice to discover stuff that you haven't tasted before.
2: Yes. Also enjoyed, tasted and enjoyed Narrow de Troia. That was okay. new. I'd had Negro Amaro before. The main things they talked about in Poor For Us were Negro Amaro and Primitivo. I had had both of those before. Okay. Uh, the Nero de Troia, that was new to me. And then I had a sparkling um, from the Verdeca grape.
0: Okay, so I have a question, very, okay. When we had Eric Asimov on the show, he was talking about context. Now, while you were drinking Primitivo in Southern Italy, did it taste better than when you were drinking it in Paris? I'll be honest. Oh, come on.
2: It's hard to say better because again, context, and then uh, what is better? Like it's relative. Like because of the food I was eating, the company I was with. I mean, I'm in front of a castle.
5: Better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Even so the water.
2: I was like, oh, this water so fresh. Did it come from a spring right out back? Like it, everything just tasted better.
0: So context is important.
2: So yeah, context is important. And I think that's something that happens when people, you know, buy wine at a winery and then they go home. You know, they talk about it and they talk it up and then you get home and you're like, oh, I mean, it's good, but it's not as good as I remembered. Yes. Because you're sitting in your living room in your pajamas, not, yeah. at the wine not, room.
0: not in front of the castle with the spring flowing down the water there.
2: Exactly. Fountain uh, the and all that. So, yeah, um, uh, again, I'm t- probably going to talk more food than wine this time. Uh, but
0: imajest
2: orchiette is that how you say it? Orchiette. Orchiette. The little ears. Yes. Yes. Got to see some nonas actually hand rolling it in the street. So that was fantastic for me. Like just watching them roll the pasta, then cut it, and then make it into the shape, um, and then sit it to dry. So of course I bought that. Um, and then they had these everywhere. the snack the tarali
0: okay everybody's um, putting their head in front of the camera <laughs>
2: so okay
0: yeah, like, yeah yeah, we saw that yeah so okay it looks
2: like a, it tastes like a cracker it's just round and then we saw them they were making those as well so I was like well clearly I have to buy all these things yeah,
0: some kind of biscottis yes nice yes. okay
2: um, and then also olive oil and ah. also yeah so it was fun it was
0: so fun. you enjoyed it yes How about the the Italians?
2: Oh, they were fun. And they were so excited for us to be there. Because, of course, they hadn't seen people in a while. So to have us there, they wanted to show us everything. So we were almost late to all of our appointments because they wanted to keep talking. Okay. No, no, no. One more thing. Okay. And then one more thing. (laughs) One more thing before you go.
0: Yeah. Italians like Spanish, love to talk. It's, it's something in, 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 in the DNA, probably. It's, it's beautiful. And you, 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 you cannot spend a, a boring evening in Italy or in Spain, for that matter, actually.
2: Yeah, we do not. No, we do not.
0: We're getting closer to the wine minute.
2: <gasps>
0: so you said it's going to be a surprise. So I mean,
2: it's not like a big surprise. I'm so, just going to talk about the aging of Rioja.
0: Ah, the aging of Rioja. Okay, so uh, we're going to play a new thing uh, for you to know when the beginning of the minute is and the end of the minute,
2: okay? Okay?
0: So you're going to probably realize how it goes, okay? Are you ready?
2: Not really, but all right.
0: Okay, so you, you will get the cue when you can start. Ready? Okay,
2: so talking Rioja and talking aging, There are levels of aging in Rioja, and you will see this on the bottle. Start with just generic, no aging requirements. Then, if you see Crianza on the bottle, aged for two years. If it's red, it's one year in the bottle. If it's white, six months in the barrel. If it says Reserva and it's red, three years aging with at least one year in the barrel, six months in the bottle. White, two years with six months then you have Gran Reserva. You see that on the label. That means if it's red, it was aged five years with at least two years in the barrel and two years in the bottle. If it's white, five years aging with at least six years, six months in the barrel. There is a new one now called Gran Añada and that's for sparkling and that's at least three years on fleas, vintage wines in their hand harvested. <laughs> I'm done I'm finished for a minute
4: yeah that was
0: the minute yeah you got it I can not say uh, you were not worn, basically oh you did it good okay. anything to add
2: no that was it
0: oh. okay so what are your thumbs up and thumbs thumbs down for the week
2: uh huh. thumbs oh wow thumbs, oh, yeah. thumbs up
5: thumbs up
2: thumbs up I'm back on the one hour lap. <laughs> <live>. yay <laughs> Thumbs down. The weather is not that great. It's been raining a lot. It's been a little chilly. It's been like 20, 21 degrees. That's not June. I had on a leather jacket yesterday.
0: Yeah, but you're in Paris. La Ville de l'Amour. You don't need nice weather. It's a beautiful city. Okay, I'm joking.
2: I need it to be dry, though. <laughs> it's June. I should not have on a leather jacket anymore. Yeah, I understand. So, well, yeah, thumbs
0: down. Thank you very much. And we'll see you, you in uh, two weeks. Bye. And now, last but not least, have a drink with me with our special guests, Elena Adel and Elena Suarez. Elena Adel, La Rioja, Chief Winemaker, Campo Viejo. Three words, three universes that intersect to make a whole. In our conversation uh, preparing for the show, uh, she often repeated that two plus two does not always add to four in the world of wine. So let's start with La Rioja. A region rooted in its strong culture, a place full of soul. If you ever had the chance to visit La Rioja, you do not come out of it the same way you entered. La Rioja, a place where men ruled winemaking for generations. So when she started, there were none. Fast forward to today, she had mentored many women winemakers, a revolution on its own. She's a chief winemaker. She can be called a trailblazer, a rule breaker, but it would not have been possible without the love of the terroir and the love of wine. The granddaughter of a grower, she studied agricultural science. Inevitably, she would end up with wines and vines. She started in 1985. Campo Viejo. It is within Campo Viejo that her talents flourished. Few fine winemakers can participate in the design of the winery in which they will work. But Elena was involved from the beginning in the design of the current Campo Viejo winery. She brought forth vision of sustainability and the environment long before they became buzzwords. That was in 1998. Indeed, the three words put together create something greater than their sum. Elena Suarez, passion, energy, new generation. Joining Campo Viejo in 2019, Elena Suarez represents the new generation of women winemakers, mentored by Elena Adel. When passion and energy is not properly channeled and giving a space to grow, it is often gets it often gets lost. This is where the strong interaction between mentee and mentor comes into play. Luckily, she has found the space, the renewal of winemakers in La Rioja is ensured. Elena Adel, Elena Suarez, what a fantastic pleasure to welcome you to the wine hour. Buenas noches. Cheers, salud.
3: salud. <laughs>
0: Elena Adel, when you started in La Rioja, it wasn't very easy. What was the situation and the difficulties you faced? Yes, really, when I started, it really wasn't very easy. We have to place ourselves. 36 37, 36 37 years años,
3: ago. ¿no? Atrás, había muy pocas mujeres there were en,
0: very few women in technical fields working and well even less bueno, women mucho, like mucho me, como, who are agronomist, como, because they were even
5: few pues, working as agronomists it was very strange to menos. see woman in the field bueno,
3: but well hey, here we are <laughs> it wasn't tampoco, that bad with with the difficulty of finding a job With the
0: difficulty of finding a job, I mean thirty something years ago, forty years really, for a woman agronomist with a technical background, finding a job was very difficult. In fact, I started working in the Ministry of Agriculture in an official body within my region, and from there I went to work in a winery. And afterwards, what happened? Well, later, I started working in a winery in the technical department, directing everything, the elaboration, the control in the bottling lines the entire winery, the aging, and was really curious because in those times, you know, now it's very common for a winemaker to be in the field, controlling the vineyard, because after all, that is the origin of everything. But then it was quite strange to see the winemakers in the field, kicking, so to speak, the vineyard and far stranger to see women in that mission.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> From the start, the design of Campo Viejo was very specific. Uh, the values that you wanted to enforce were very strong. Uh, Why did you think about sustainability and the environment? Well, let's put a bit in context. In the era when we designed the winery, the winery was designed at the end of the 90s. In fact, it was then when the first elaboration was built. The first harvest we did was in 2001. A series of principles that we wanted to fulfill when making the design of the winery One of them was that the raw material, that is our grapes or wines, receive the best possible technical and ecological treatment.
3: Second, we
0: wanted to create a winery that is totally integrated into the landscape, totally camouflaged. In other words, it will impact the environment as little as possible. And the third question we needed to answer was that it also had to be a beautiful winery, a winery that architecturally was already a claim for everyone to want to visit us. Perhaps the most surprising at the time when we designed it, it was precisely these last two points, in other words, giving so much importance to not having an impact on the environment, to not consuming resources, to what we call sustainability right now. But back then, that word was practically not used. So you were precursor, so... Um, Yes, but notice also in the last point I have commented, that is, we were already thinking about what to do next. It has been all about wine tourism. In other words, we were already thinking then that we wanted to make an attractive place for everyone to get to know our region, our winery, our wines, the whole environment that surrounds us. In fact, I think Campo Viejo continues to be a reference winery also in this century, 20 years later. In fact, I believe that it is already part of our genetics, it is part of our DNA, because not only it is that we designed it, thinking about all this, but we have continued a bit with this philosophy and with this work system. And actually, that is a nice segue when we talk about philosophy. There's one thing, when we talk about values, I'm always thinking about music. And there was one piece in your playlist, there was one song in particular, that it's just, it's caught my attention. It was just fantastic. The, the band is La Oreja de Van Gogh, which is a band from Donostia, from San Sebastian, from the Basque country, from next to, from La Rioja, from the, from the region. There's so much soul in this, in this song. Why have you chosen this song? I love it, I love this group like many others that I suggested because well, besides that they sound wonderful and they reassure you and they calm you the lyrics, the lyrics of the song always convey a message or tell a story or they transport you
3: they transport you with a poem When,
0: when there's so much soul when there's so much closeness to the terroir how do you deal with working with such a large production? How do you, what kind of wine philosophy do you embrace? I think that the beginning of all wine is in the vineyard. It is in the grapes. There is viticulture in that land. That is what makes it so, so special. So for us, knowing perfectly all those vineyards from which we're going to obtain the grapes, the supply is essential. Therefore, working with winemakers side-by-side, hand-in-hand, is vital for us. When you really know the vineyard, you realize the wonder of how lucky we are to work in La Rioja, because a region that is not too large, because there's about 65,000 hectares of vineyards, that is capable of giving you such a diversity of expressions in wines, which is quite incredible. It's great es, to work on this.
3: It's incredible, it's fantastic to work on it. But for me, importante... what's
0: for me, what is important, important thing is to be able to make small elaborations and keep them individual, so that you really get to have in each elaboration all the diversity that the region is capable of giving you. Because really, when you're extracting from each grape that you receive its potential and its differences, it is then at the end of the elaboration that you have a diversity of wines that are subtly different and allow you to play with them to mark the styles that you want to give to your wines.
3: Yeah.
0: It is something that I was also wondering, and, and Elena Suarez is also going to talk about this. It's, it's about the, the the passing of the knowledge. So why is it important to work on, on passing on your knowledge and love of wine to the new generation?
3: Because because I
0: believe that in this life you have to be generous in all the knowledge that each one has accumulated over the years and years of experience has to be transmitted to the people who work with us and who later also leave us. They're going, this is going to happen to us. I think this is the right thing to do. I would not consider working or proceeding otherwise. Elena Suarez.
1: I'm convinced that uh, this way is the only way to improve uh, in your work, but also uh, improve in other aspects of your life, not only at work. And all of us uh, need somebody who teach you, somebody who guide you. And fortunately we are a team in which uh, we all uh, share this same point of view and that makes uh, everything much, much easier. So
2: yeah,
1: I totally agree with with Elena in this point as, and also not only in in our team, uh, all the industries should should go um, in the same way to improve as a community, not only not only us.
0: Okay, and how easy or difficult is it to work with Elena Adele?
1: <laughs> of course, <laughs> she's
0: not she's not listening. She's not hearing. You can go.
1: <laughs> no yes i have always said that he is a, a very close person and and yes she shared a lot of information with us and this is very important because we can improve but only is a fantastic uh, human <laughs> because he has a very good values he's very close she, she have always um, wanted to help you in all the aspects. Yes, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth.
0: <laughs> Would you have worked at Campo Viejo if Elena Adele was not there?
1: Uh, I think yes. <laughs> you think Yes, yes, be- yes because um, I think that um, we uh, we have uh, several things in common that and um, uh, the that that have a common values that. Uh, and creo that we work in the same way we have a, a very similar values and we miss her that's the truth <laughs> but yes I, I will continue with
6: seeing okay
0: okay so so the, yeah. la próxima generación está lista está bien el <laughs>
3: trabajo
0: de, de pasar de generación a generación está 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 hecho I hope
1: so. We are working on this.
0: Yeah, so I was, I was, I was asking about the passing of generation and that that uh, that the values that needed to be passed have actually been been passed. How do you both see the future of of La Rioja?
3: yo, la más veterana, optimista. Soy, soy, soy así. I'm going
0: to start as I'm the most veteran. Well, I see an optimistic future. I'm like that. Uh, to begin with, I'm optimistic because I believe that Real La Rioja has a bright future. First of all, for its authenticity. In other words, you will like Arya Hawaiians more, you will like them less, but they are different. Why? Because I think it has managed to preserve a little bit that balance between tradition and modernity, between the practices that were done before, by endowing them with all the current technology. So I think we have managed to keep that very well, that which makes us different. And when I say that, what makes it different, which is one of its varieties, it's its territory, its terroir. They are the aging systems, which some may seem excessive, but you can always manage them in one way or another to get very, very unique wines. And uh, the way I see it, I see a promising future, good future precisely because of the diversity of wines, because of the diversity of styles that it's capable of offering. It has been evolving slowly, it is true, because of the world of wine may be a more static sector, but without any doubt it has been evolving also. I already have almost 40 years of perspective and I see it, I see it very clearly. In other words, the other stages where La Rioja will be able to give to the consumer the market is going to be huge, so that any consumer with their own taste will find in La Rioja a wine that they will like
3: que va a ser capaz, ¿no? De, de dar al mercado, al consumidor, va a ser enorme, de forma que eh, cualquier consumidor tenga el gusto que tenga va a encontrar un en Rioja, un vino que le va a gustar.
0: Elena Suárez. And then we take we we'll take the question from Ming first, and then uh, look at the questions okay. in the chat. Elena.
1: Oh, okay. P- yes, uh, I would like to to think, you know, that we are going to maintain uh, the tradition of Rioja because Mm, is our base but I agree with Elena in the point of uh, that we have um, other tree source more modern and we are evolving to this new type of wine experiment with, um, uh, with new varieties that we are recovering in in this area which are very very interesting but uh, always maintaining that um, traditional part and and yes, I think that we have a, a brilliant future, <laughs> yes. And I would like to think that, of course.
0: Okay, okay, nice. Okay, let's take the questions. Ming, hello. Hi. Good to see you again.
6: Uh, good to see you.
0: So you're coming from yes. San Francisco, correct?
6: correct? Correct,
0: Okay. Okay, so what is your question?
6: First of all, Mutras Cassius for the session. It's
2: great to learn about the Rioja. I would like to hear more about your own winery because... I did not realize until this session that it's female chief winemaker, which is great. And you are very interested in the agricultures and the sustainability of the winery. So would love to hear a little bit more about the uniqueness of your own winery, uh, especially with the um, how you made such a widely distributed and affordable wine Uh, with the care of the land. I think that's a very intriguing um, story for me.
0: For those of you who don't know Campo Viejo, Campo Viejo is a semi-buried winery that it it is practically on the ground. That is also one of the reasons why it is so sustainable, because practically the entire process can be done from the top. Everything always goes downhill. Everything always goes by gravity. So there's there's not much consumption
3: taking place. Um, Of course, when
0: maintaining the temperature, that is, we always think about how to use the least number of resources possible, but always with the best possible treatment of our footprint and our wine. That is our philosophy. We design it like this. Why? How? How do we manage not to make wines with the Mark style and also that millions of people like? I love that question. And also, thank you so much for making this comment. I think,
3: the, I think the answer
0: is that we work with the same philosophy as we were managing a small winery. That is, we make the grapes in small batches, trying to obtain as many different wines as possible. And how would we get that? Well, working with details, for example, during harvest, we follow closely every day the 140 fermenters that we have. Next detail: in the cellar, nothing is done by system. Absolutely, everything is done by trial beforehand. For us, each wine is like a unique child. Each of these wines, we choose the barrel in which we are going to age it: French oak, American oak, from which cooper, from what forest. La en la wine que is the result of a lot of small decisions that Americano, you make Americano, about it, Americano, and we make elero, many, y many y decisions because we are very meticulous.
3: El vino es el resultado de um, un montón de pequeñas decisiones que vas tomando sobre él, y nosotros tomamos muchas, muchas decisiones porque somos muy meticulosos.
0: Uh, just as a side note for you to know, Campo Viejo represents about 10% of the production, the wine production of La Rioja, so this is huge. Okay.
3: <laughs> uh, uh,
0: here's a couple of questions. First question um from Fred Mugayar. I'm drinking your Cava Brut Reserve. Can you please talk a bit about the wine? This wine
1: is a blend of three different varieties: Macabeo, Parellada, and Xarello, and it's the typical blend uh, of Penedès, which is the the Cava region. We made that wine in in that area. And to be a Brut Reserva, uh, this wine uh, has uh, spent uh, 15, no, sorry, 18 months in the in the bottle. And um, the elaboration is very curious because uh, the cavas uh, has to be uh, has to do a first fermentation, uh, and we obtain a wine. And that wine, after that, um, we fill a bottle and. Uh, we do a second fermentation into the bottle. We add yeast and it's put in horizontal position to, <laughs> and spend uh, eighteen months to be a, a cava brut reserva, and and after that we um, separate the uh, the, corcho, the cork <laughs> okay. the cork, okay, and we fill yeah. with with liquor and and it's very curious that that elaboration and it's a fantastic wine we have a lot of aromas of of fresh fruit like a apple and but also a bakery yeast because of that second fermentation is very very fresh and of course perfect for this uh, period of the of the year and yes, it's fantastic. It's a good, a very good choice.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, another question from Martin Donnelly. What vintage of Grand Reserva are you drinking tonight? Which, yes, it's which, 2014. Yes. 2014. Is Cava production new for Campo Viejo? Is it something from again from Fred M- Mugayar? Is it? Uh, are you producing Cava recently, or is it something that you've been doing for a long time?
1: I can't remember very well, but Elena, for sure. Elena, ¿desde cuándo elaboramos el, el
3: Campo Viejo? ¿Desde qué año? El Cava.
0: El Cava, sí. Sí, el sí, Cava. Bueno,
3: a lo mejor hace ya 10 años que... Sí, yes. sí. Some sí. 10
0: years ago. Yes, yes
3: 14 years.
0: Sí. Okay. okay. So, to conclude the interview, unfortunately, and as always, we finished with the pivot questionnaire. So, the first question, okay, what is your favorite word?
1: Salud me
0: is alegría. Alegría. So basically, uh, santé, salud, cheers, and uh, and yeah. happiness. Is
1: happiness, joy, but it's felicidad in Spanish, but alegría, I like more.
0: <laughs> yeah. What is your least favorite word?
3: Mm, envidia.
0: What is I this I don't know? have
3: a...
1: <laughs>
0: a translation?
3: Envidia
1: is um, jealousy. I think. Je- ah, envy, yes, jealousy, jealousy,
0: yes, 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 okay. Yes,
1: for me, maybe hate?
0: Hate?
1: Audio? Yes.
0: Audio, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite virtue?
3: <laughs> Generosidad. Generosity.
0: Generosity.
3: Okay. Optimism.
0: Optimism, okay. <laughs> your uh, favorite quality in a man?
3: humor, <laughs> me
0: The feeling of.
1: For me, it's hon- honesty.
0: So humor is is basically humor, basically. So how much you? Yeah. And for you, optimistic. No
1: honesty. honesty. Honesty,
0: honesty. Okay. Your favorite quality in a woman.
3: Um, amabilidad. Que sea
1: okay. amable. To be
0: amicable to me. Okay.
1: <laughs> for me, it's the same. I I don't make any difference between man and woman. Okay. <laughs> Honesty for for all the people. <laughs> for all the people.
3: Uh,
0: what wine would you use to describe yourself?
3: Um, ahora mismo, un, un blanco, un blanco de, de crianza de una añada relativamente antigua con mucha mucha botella.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> white wine.
1: In, uh, and is... in my case, a, a fresh white wine, <laughs> because here in La Braña, we have a lot of warm. Okay. <laughs> and I need.
3: Something
0: refreshing. Also <laughs> oh, white wine as well. Okay. What is your favorite curse word? You can say whatever you want. They don't understand Spanish.
3: <laughs> okay. no, 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 no maldigo. <laughs> no tengo, no tengo. ¿No tienes? No maldigo. No, maldigo.
1: no. no okay. me vaya
0: a traducirle. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she me doesn't me have. Either. Okay, Elena Suárez.
1: No, me neither. I don't have any... I don't usually use
0: any, any crossword, do you say? Yes. We're,
1: yeah, yeah, I I said, no, yeah. I, I don't
0: know. <laughs> because when I was in Spain, I used to hear a lot of these things. Anyway, I'm not going to say anything. Okay, what sound or noise do you love?
3: Um, me encanta el, el ruido de la lluvia cuando cae suave, sobre todo si estoy en el campo.
0: Okay, when the rain falls down very softly, especially in the field, Elena Suárez.
1: And for me, um, the sound of when you are walking and only your footsteps can be heard,
3: that's um Oh, nice. My footstep in in the silence. <laughs>
1: nice.
0: What sound or noise do you hate?
3: Um, el ruido del tráfico y los gritos en general.
1: Yeah,
0: the, the sound of the traffic and the screams and the the yeah, and the shoutings.
1: And for me, um, the noise from construction sites, I
3: hate it.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, what plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated
3: in? Si fuera una planta, creo que sería un roble. Y si fuera un, anim- un animal, un, un pájaro, quizás una bubilla, son pájaros preciosos de color canela.
0: Okay, so basically if it was a plant, it would be an oak, and if it would be an animal, it would be a bird. Uh, not really sure of the name, but it has a beautiful uh, tan color, basically. Okay, Elena Suárez?
1: For me, also a bird. I would
3: like to fly. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: a bird, Okay. And last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gate?
3: A mí me encantaría escucharle decir, he estado esperándote muchos, muchos, muchos años, pero qué bien te veo.
0: I was waiting for you for many, 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 many years. Elena Suárez?
1: Um, I would like to, um, uh, you, did, you did it well.
0: Okay. Elena Adel, Elena Suárez, thank you very much. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias a
3: ti.
0: Well, that concludes the Wine Hour for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do not hesitate to follow us on our social platforms or podcast. Talk to your friends about it. Shout about it. Uh, We'll see you very soon. Next show is on July 8th. Until then, drink in moderation, be well and safe, faith always, bye, -bye. adios.